I started writing this blog about my family, Reebok and latterly my professional life through lockdown here in the UK. I had written about my grandfather and great-grandfather 20 years ago, when I had a run-in with Reebok's legal department, that ended with them allowing me to get on with my life and say what I like. I had to do a lot of research to prove my family's footwear heritage went beyond four generations, eventually it turned up a Joseph Foster, who got married in 1776 and his occupation was cordwainer, an old English term for a shoemaker. It turned up a lot more, especially about Samuel Foster, my great-grandfather's, grandfather. I have written some of it here and it was the basis of my lawyer's argument that Reebok was just flotsam in the ocean of the Foster family's involvement in shoes and sport and thus I have a right to write about it. Three generations of Fosters, my great-grandfather Joseph William Foster, center standing, behind to the right, his father, Joseph Bradshaw Foster. The young boy at the front is my grandfather, James William Foster. I have shared all this with friends and colleague at Reebok and Adventure since and a lot of you have enjoyed reading and reflecting on your time spent with me on our joint experience. If this isn't what the human experience is, then what is it? I'm truly touched by your comments and likes please keep them coming. It also appears to have touched some of those still at the big R as we have seen a reinvigorated rush of OG classic revivals from the early 80s when Reebok was the it brand, though few of us had time to think about it then and only now can begin to appreciate it. Reebok USA's victory ad from 1981 pushed the new concept of a foul weather shoe. Last month Reebok launched the OG Aze, which I reviewed as requested, hot on its heels, sorry, couldn't resist, is the Victory G, OG, the Victory Gog is a tribute to what I would say was the first Reebok to be created by Paul Fireman, it was Paul who saw Gore-Tex running suits in 1980 and it was his challenge to my dad and then factory manager Bob Johnson to come up with the shoe. It was also Paul who insisted on changing the company's logo away from the Starcrest and insisted on the Union flag, in a window box on the lateral of the shoe, a feature that would be a Reebok trademark for the next 20 years. This shoe was also a marked turning point in the target audience of running shoe. This was the first shoe aimed at joggers, people who ran for fitness or lose weight rather than runners who trained for racing, those guys ran every day in the rain and just got wet. They ran too fast and got too hot to wear Gore-Tex on their bodies let alone their feet. This was the shoe for a man or woman pounding the pavements of New England to shrink his waist. A consumer who gave it a miss if the weather was bad, but now dress head to toe in Gore-Tex could get out every day. This was cushion shoe for heel strikers that plotted the streets avoiding the big puddles. A new customer to the running market and Paul Fireman had them in his sights. So what do we think about this rework of Paul's shoe? Using the American line of the most advanced foul weather running shoe, then UK distributor Carter Pockick, we're the second largest seller of the Victory G. The box, once again we have missed a trick here, we could have had the original Reebok box from 1981, instead we have a bland corporate box. Maybe I'm a nerd, but it would have been nice to have that, as we had mentioned about the Aze, these shoes were 110 pounds, Adidas are good at using the Heritage Blue box on their originals, you could do something special for these shoes. Inside the box the shoes are wrapped and stuffed with tissue paper, we didn't do that, if we are OG details should be right. What about all those labels hanging off the shoe, that shows we are into component brand heaven. Gore obviously want their brand out there. Let's take a good look at the shoe. Sign of the times, how much packaging and labeling is really needed? They got the lace right. I moaned about the Aze and the wrong lace, this is spot on a two-tone herringbone cotton lace, great color match perfect, well done guys. Tongue label and window box label also are spot on the color match of these as with the nylon and suede color, really nice job, even down to the denier of the nylon. I had to giggle at a couple of misthread hanging on the facing, that's quite typical from the bright street factory too. 
This is obviously supposed to represent an early shoe as we have used burgundy suede for the side flash heel tab and MKI foster cradle. This is infamous material, the original bled all over the stone grey upper and all over feet, it was replaced almost immediately with a flocked material, that we used right up to replacing the Victory G with the Victory GTI in 1983. So let's place this design at early 1981. Nicely detailed, with colors well researched, even the weave of the nylon is on target. Check out those laces, my heart was booming when I saw that detail. Moving down the shoe is shod with a white die-cut EVA unit, very period and on the bottom is a remake of the well-loved Vibram Clivia sole. This is a remake from Vibram, with large logos the full length of the sole. The original was more subtly branded and the tread design deeper. The material is also heavier and harder, than the Morphex original. Vibram obviously insisted on larger billing on this shoe. While I feel it's a shame, I don't think the purchasers of this shoe were even born when it debuted let alone bothered by the difference. Someone told Vibram, that Gore were involved so they trebled the logo size. Let's get inside, while Gore have been at it again. The original G had a white cambrel lining, this remake is fully 3 bar knitted with Gore-Tex writ large every couple of cm. At least they kept it to the interior. WL Gore had no branding back in those days, in fact we had to beg them from some pos and swing tickets. They have had a go at the construct too, even though Reebok have tried to be true to the original, Time and Gore have waved an unsympathetic hand, shame. Inside it's all Gore-Tex central and cheap footbed, pity it's not as tidy and true as the exterior. What can't be missed is the footbed, although cover with an authentic burgundy brushed nylon, this is a flat sponge cover die cut piece of foam, Victory had a Freudenberg sourced, expanded polyethylene molded footbed, with a heel cup. A replaceable, state-of-the-art 1981 item, where did it go? On the foot fit is true to the original I had to go up a half size, but the feel is compromised by that footbed and the awkward folded seam care of the boys at Gore. MKI Foster Cradle is a nice touch. Overall good effort, I really enjoyed the trip down memory lane and it's a good rework of this classic Reebok running shoe. Glad to see the designers at Reebok have been reading my blog and pulled these beauties out of the past, a nice job by the classics team. So where to next for this series? Well, they have spent the money on the outsole, on the cutting dies, on the labels and on the burgundy suede. Ready when you are Reebok. I feel my first ever design is just around the corner, let's have the Invincible from 1983, I'll even write the press release for you guys. Copyright David Foster